New Testament reading today is from Luke chapter 1. Uh, This is our fourth sermon. Luke chapter 1 seems to go on forever and ever and ever. Our fourth and final sermon here will be from verse 57 to the close of this chapter in verse 80. And we read here the fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy that a son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. Uh, I briefly studied at the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands, and uh, I have a tie that I was going to wear today, but I forgot. Um, And on the tie, it has the motto of the University of of Utrecht, which, like all good mottos, is in Latin. And it is, Sol justitiae illustra nos, son of righteousness, illuminate us. It's a wonderful motto for a university. It's a wonderful motto for a church. And so we are going to be reflecting on this light that has dawned in our hearts and in our world. Uh, God's holy word comes to us today from the gospel of Luke. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet from the way into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Join me now in our prayer found in our bulletin. Our Father, we have heard wonderful things out of thy word. We praise you for revealing Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament and ask you to give us your spirit so that we may understand the fullness of your truth. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are uh, blessed again by the evangelist Luke uh, with a story, with an event, the birth of John the Baptist. 
which brings about some big changes for Elizabeth and Zechariah, his parents, and a song that interprets that event, that tells us what God is doing in this work. And at the heart of this song are, are these closing lines, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the good news for us today. The gospel, Jesus Christ, has risen like the sun on a dark night. The shining light in our hearts. I don't know if you have the experience. I think I had it this week. I think I had it this morning. Where you have a day, you wake up and it's cloudy. It's very cloudy. It's dark. It rains all day. It's cold, right? And then the next day, it might still be cold. The the front has passed through. But the sun is shining brilliantly. A cold, crisp winter day. But you think, thank God for the sun. (laughs) Thank God for the warmth that shines upon us. Thank God for the joy that it brings me. It can be hard for us to understand this light. To realize we need it. Israel had sat under the boot of enemy oppressors for centuries. Think of that. They've been an occupied land. Think of the warfare that's going on now in the same geographic part of the world in Gaza. Think of the war going on in the Ukraine. Occupied territories. The great evils and depredations going on in those places. Think of that darkness. It's a horrible thing. You cannot dwell on it. And yet for Israel, that was the state of their hearts for centuries. And and to make it matters worse, this was understood by them properly to be a curse. They were cursed for their faithlessness, their disobedience. They were in exile from God's holy kingdom. Now in America, uh, we have sort of a sunnier disposition. We have a lot of money. We can fill ourselves with food and drink and entertainment. We can have the warmth of a beautifully uh, heated uh, church building. If we were worshiping in Europe right now, we'd all be freezing or have our coats on. We have so many blessings here. Uh, 40 years ago, as we enter a political campaign season once again, heaven deliver us from this year of political campaigning. 40 years ago, famously, President Reagan ran for re-election with an ad campaign that said, it's morning in America again. Right? It's always morning in America. Things are always looking up. We believe in progress. Things will get better. Zechariah had no hope of that. Elizabeth had no hope of that. And it might be hard for us to hear the good news here. That the light has dawned. But God's story, the gospel story, contains law and gospel. The darkness here, as our text says, is the darkness of the shadow of death, which casts its shadow, brothers and sisters, over all of us. Perhaps you have had a friend die in this last year. Perhaps you have had a family member die in 2023. We had many. I was at a friend's house recently, and the the Christmas cards were still posted all around the kitchen. And they said, I've been shocked by how many of these families and friends, young people, have toddlers who've had illness and death strike their homes. That's dark, brothers and sisters. There's a lot of people here in this room who still feel that darkness in their hearts. It's the darkness of sin and death. The good news of Jesus Christ is that the, the son of righteousness has risen in our hearts and in our world. And that's what I want us to to think about today. You might want to open your hymnal because we're going to be singing this song of Zechariah. And I'll quote from it a few times. It's number 294. 
The first stanza says, Blessed be God, the Lord of Israel, who's come to set us free. And a horn full salvation he has raised from David's seed. God has visited his people to redeem them as foretold. And the promise he has spoken through his prophets from of old. Zechariah's song opens and closes with the theme of visitation. Remember, our, our scriptures often do this. They provide envelopes, repetition for us to see and to focus our ears and our attention. And it's this theme of visitation. And the visitation that it's concerned with is God's visit. God hearing his people cry out and coming and responding to them. The visit of God, however, for his people is always a double-edged sword. Because he's a holy God and we're sinners. God, come deliver us from those horrible Romans. Drive them out from our land. Yeah, if I drive out the, the sinful Romans, I might have to drive out the sinful Jews as well. The sinful Israelites. That's the truth of God's holiness. It's always a double-edged sword. And what's so powerful about Luke's storytelling here and the way he presents the gospel to us is Zechariah represents Israel. Zechariah is a standard bearer. He's a priest. He's in the temple. He's making prayers for the people. The smoke is ascending to the Lord. This is the most holy place. The holy place in all of the world. This is where God dwells. And his robe represents the holiness of God's people. It is the glory and beauty of the Lord personified. We now know in the New Testament that Zechariah represented Christ. The great priest. And yet, when the angel came... When he is standing there in all the holiness and glory and beauty that the old covenant could muster. When the angel came, he was terrified. And when he came with the word of blessing and promise, he couldn't believe. He didn't believe. Zechariah had been visited. Zechariah had been visited and he had not believed the Lord. He had been afraid, remember, in the temple. All the holiness he could muster, all the ceremonial holiness, all the legal holiness left him terrified before a holy God and his messenger. The gospel always begins with the holiness of God. If you've ever heard of the uh, great teacher who's now left us, R.C. Sproul, that little book, The Holiness of God, is where he starts telling his story of God's holiness. But... Remember what that angel had said. And this is going back a few weeks now. But the the angel had said, this son you're going to have, not only going to bring you joy as a father, but he's going to be of global, national significance. He will be great before the Lord. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord. He will go before the Messiah as prophesied by Malachi in the spirit of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And isn't it beautiful that Zechariah's heart is not prepared? He's terrified. But what does his son do even when he's in the womb and as he's born and he's eight days old? John the Baptist turns the heart of his father. He fulfills this prophecy already in his first eight days. Just as uh, Elizabeth's heart has been filled with the Holy Spirit and she is prophesied. Zechariah now has come to believe. So we see that the priest, the faithless priest, now becomes a prophet. 
And he's quoting again from Malachi, the previous chapter, which we didn't read, where the Lord says, behold, I send my messenger, my angel, and he will prepare the way before me and he will come suddenly to his temple. You see, the drama of Malachi is working itself out in the New Testament. The reality is Zechariah and John and Jesus and Mary. Zechariah's heart was not prepared, but he has now been transformed as we come to the end of chapter 1. And so you see that Zechariah gives hope. Even in Luke's day, in the Apostle Paul's day, in their ministry, as much of Israel had rejected Christ, which Zechariah did initially, he rejected the gospel promise. Zechariah as a character says, God's people get a second chance. The gospel is yet for them. And Zechariah is a model of this. Second stanza of our song. God has come in might to save us from the hatred of our foes. From their cruel hand he frees us. And his tender mercy shows mercy promised in his covenant to our fathers whom he chose. He will keep his oath to Abram to release us from our woes. In our passage we see here this phrase, the time is fulfilled. That means she's going to have her baby. But there's a lot of this language of fulfillment and filling. Time is fulfilled. This is the fullness of time. And we read in the early verses here that the Lord had showed great mercy. This is the same language of Mary who magnifies the Lord. We see that the Lord magnifies his grace and mercy. And this is another repeated term here. The mercy of the Lord, even for Zechariah, who didn't believe, who was cursed for nine months. Talk about darkness. He's had a pretty rough pregnancy. Cursed with silence, with not being able to say anything. I hope he wasn't a verbal processor. It would have been very difficult for him to process anything. The crowd says, you're going to name this baby Zechariah. And and Luke doesn't define what the names mean. And yet they're still pregnant and full of meaning. Because Zechariah means the Lord remembers. And this language of remembering is remembering covenantal promises. So isn't it interesting that the Lord remembers his covenant promise made to Abraham, made to Israel in this paradigmatic Israelite, this priest, Zechariah. So even after his faithlessness, the Lord is merciful. He magnifies his mercy. We don't know how Elizabeth knows the name. You know, we know that Zechariah can write things out. So maybe he had said, because right, she didn't receive the, the prophecy that it would be called John. Zechariah had, and then he was mute, mute. John or Zechariah asks for a tablet. He says, his name is John. The text says, what does the father want? What does Zechariah want? And Zechariah's response isn't, I want this. Zechariah's response is, his name is John. John, which means God is gracious. God's grace. God gives gifts. In these nine months, Zechariah had been prepared. His heart had been turned. The heart of this father had been turned to the heart of his children. And Zechariah had come to see himself not as a priest in the pinnacle of Old Testament righteousness, not as a holy man prepared because of his washings, because of his garments, but he'd come to see himself as a sinner in need of grace, mercy, and the forgiveness of his sins. Zechariah confesses now that the Lord remembers. The Lord has fulfilled his promises. Brothers and sisters, just by way of application, before we move on to our second point here in the transformation of Zechariah, see how it is never too late for unbelievers. 
Maybe you have family or friends. We are all sinners saved by grace. We aren't special ones because we're here on the Lord's Day worshiping God. God has worked in us in a special way. He has magnified his grace to us. It's never too late. So please care, love, and pray for your friends and loved ones. And what follows from that is the truth, right? That we all need this light to shine in our hearts. The life of Christian faith and repentance is a life of daily repentance. Well, the second point I want to turn to now is, is just generally to look at this, this song of Zechariah, what the message of salvation is. And it, it kind of comes to this conclusion at the end. The son of righteousness rises with healing in his wings, as Malachi had prophesied. See, quoting again from our, our hymn, God has sworn to grant deliverance and restore us to our place. Serving boldly in his presence, just and holy all our days. You, my child, will be his prophet, called and sent by God most high. You must go before the Lord now to prepare his ways aright. Zechariah was a servant who was called to serve the Lord in the temple. And he sees here, right, that God has redeemed us for the purpose that we could be holy and righteous and serving him. This was his purpose in the exile. Remember, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go that we can go to the mountain and worship the Lord. The word there is serve him. That we may go and serve him as holy people called to worship him. It's actually the same verb service as the bondage and slavery they had in Egypt. The question isn't whether you are going to serve or be a slave The question is, who is going to be your Lord and master? They were set free from the bondage of sin and death, the darkness of trying to make enough bricks for Pharaoh to satisfy that master. They were freed to go serve the Lord. And Zechariah has come to realize that he sings now right of this visit that brings redemption and salvation. Redemption and salvation. So it is a visit that is based on mercy, not on what he deserved or what he has earned, but based on the forgiveness of his sins. And Zechariah now looks for a savior who will save him from his sins, not who will come and say, well done, my good and faithful son, you priest serving in my temple. The new covenant promised by the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah has now come. And what are the new terms of that new covenant? And yes, there are new terms. They are this. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, not on tablets of stone. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Zechariah sees that the salvation, the long promised mercy of God's covenant to Abraham and his children comes through God's tender mercy. This word for tender mercy, uh, the Greek word for, for tenderness is, is, is a felt mercy. It's a mercy that, that comes from the gut. And uh, the Greek word, uh, I'm not going to say it now because I can't really pronounce it that well. But the, the Greek word for, for tenderness, for guts, for feeling, is literally a word for the intestines. 
It's the intestinal mercy of our God. God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. He is holy. And yet he has the mercy, the felt mercy for his people. And in the sun that's to rise, he took on human flesh that he could feel our darkness and that he could feel our pain and that he could shine the light of his mercy and grace, not in the abstract, but in the concrete on his son who cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember, there at the cross, the sky grows dark. It's only three hours, we read. But in that three hours was packed all of the pain and suffering that God's people have ever known. And he felt it in his guts. He knew our darkness. This is the tender mercy of God. And now Zechariah can sing, The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Christ came first to deal with sins, bringing the tender mercy of God for those who fear his name. And this is the message of the Christmas season we've just celebrated Bring the knowledge of salvation to God's people in their sin. Preach that God is tender-hearted, and by Him are sins forgiven. His great mercy, like the sunrise, brightly shines in deepest night, guiding those who sit in darkness to the way of peace and light. What a message of salvation that we have received. And He is so merciful to send His Spirit that we might even understand it. Though our understanding is darkened by our sin. And that brings us third to this image of light. This image of light. We, we read it all over in the New Testament. All over in the scriptures. right? God's, God's Shekinah glory. His presence that filled that tabernacle was a brilliant light. Like come on we've seen the raiders of the lost ark. You know you open the lid and. We saw recently my family the movie Oppenheimer. The brilliant light of that nuclear blast that everyone looked the other direction and shaded their eyes and could not behold. Because literally that light would kill them if you got too close. The light of God's holiness, the light of his brilliance, the light of his glory is more brilliant than the most profound H-bomb. The prophet Malachi says the day is coming that holiness will come it's a day of wrath for those that don't know the lord that don't have the righteousness to stand but for you who fear my name the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing its wings that holiness comes and it doesn't just turn aside god's wrath it heals us it makes us whole it gives us peace it restores the shalom that we lack You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act. That's a horrific vision of judgment. That fire of God's wrath turning to ash. Those who stand against it. But that's the darkness we've been delivered from. What does the world say? The way of the world is ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And no hope of deliverance from the grave. 
This is the language often seen in Isaiah, this light. The people who walked in darkness, Isaiah 9, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. God gives us light from darkness. And chapter 9 continues, right? Where does that light come from? For to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the light that has shined on us. And another great prophecy, Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord, there's that Shekinah glory that filled the temple, has risen upon you. You see, that light makes us faithful servants in our house, in the house of God, that we can serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And moving down to Isaiah latter part of that chapter verses that are quoted again by John the evangelist John in his apocalypse your son shall no more go down nor your moon withdraw itself for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended your people shall all be righteous and they shall possess the land forever the branch of my planting the work of my hands that I might be glorified the least one shall become a clan the smallest one a mighty nation I am the Lord and it's time I will hasten it and the evangelist John says that God will wipe away every tear there will be no more sorrow Jesus delivers us from death There's an ad campaign. Jesus gets us. I thought it was just one Super Bowl season, but it's come back. If you watch the playoffs, it's back. Yeah, Jesus does get us. But he also died for us. He also gives us eternal life. He doesn't make life in this world tolerable. He doesn't give us a a therapeutic hand on difficult days. He brings us home. He puts our feet on the way of holiness and righteousness. And he brings us as a good shepherd into his father's house where we will dwell forever and ever and ever. There will be no sun or moon, no day or night, for the Lord himself will be its light. May that sun of righteousness today illuminate our hearts. Let's pray.